Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hello, Soul Talk friends. It is a joy for me today to have a Soul Talk with a, a soul friend of mine, Jim Fadling, and she's a part of our community. Jim and I have been journeying together since I think, Jim, it was it 2004? Does that sound right to you? Oh, yeah. It's been many years. Yes. <laughs> you have a better memory than me. <laughs> well, it was so fun. We were a part of a group where I was getting my certificate in spiritual direction and leadership. And it was just a joy to have three times a year to be on retreat with you. We live close by. So we started meeting monthly, you and I, for spiritual friendship and sharing and journeying together through just all the stirrings in our soul at that time. And it was fun for me because it was a time in your life when you just had so many longings and dreams. And as you shared those with me, I remember just praying for you and seeing, witnessing your journey through a lot of pain, a lot of waiting, and a lot of hard work. It's so true. Yeah. And it was a joy to just know you and get to listen to you and pray for you and hold those with you. And now to be able to just rejoice at seeing the fruit of all of that is really fun and to get to share it with our Soul Talk community. So you sent me your book, your your latest book, Hold That Thought. And I really enjoyed reading through it and a lot of it remembering to get, oh, I remember that walk or I remember that conversation or, oh, I remember that dream. It was very fun for me. It was like memory lane to get to read this book. One of the things that I really appreciated was the way that you talked a lot about disclosing your own journey and the journey that I think a lot of, especially the women, but even some of the men in our Soul Talk community will really relate to about some of the wounds from your childhood. Specifically, you mentioned about being kind of prime in your family of origin and your church and in the culture's views on women to really become enmeshed. And and you said here, I was set up for classic enmeshment. This was solidified as the duties of a pastor's wife and women in general. Intentional or not, I was trying to fit into a role as a Christian woman and this led me to various versions of unhealth and even spiritual trauma. Many of us have some unlearning and major healing to engage in in this regard. It is okay to have a healthy sense of self and not just be known in relation to someone else. I, as an individual, am one who God dearly loves, and it's okay to believe, embrace, and live this. And that's what I've gotten to see you do. I thought that was so well articulated from your writing here and hold that thought. Talk a little bit about how you came to live in this confidence of God's love and embrace his call in your life. Yeah, it really, you know, it is a lifelong journey. And I do have to say, um, Christy, you've been there, you know, for a lot of my musings <laughs> as we would walk up and down Laguna Beach uh, with our toes in the sand and just waxing eloquent. So thank you for holding so much of my story. But yeah, it really was a journey. And I think I'm probably like most people, you know, there's sort of that first half midlife, second half of life journey of um, building something and then having it all not make sense, Mm -hmm. right? And then rebuilding. And so finding my voice was really a part of that. 
And again, at this point in my life, I'm old enough. I've had my therapy. I've, you know, hopefully matured into this. I'm not going around blaming anybody anymore. I just know that it was the journey. Yes. That I didn't have my voice for all any number of reasons that I could list and things that impacted. And I felt, and even if some people might not have known, I don't know what everyone on the outside thought inside, mm-hmm. I felt small and unseen and like I didn't have agency. Right. And waking up to that and then journeying through healing to where my voice did have a chance to be seen. I think one of the stories I share in there, um, I called it my voice before, um, was that I felt that I didn't deserve anything. And that one really woke me up mm-hmm. because when my therapist asked me a list of things, do you deserve this? Do you deserve this? Do you deserve this? And I kept saying, no, 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 no. And then he said, do you deserve to be loved? And I couldn't say yes, Christy. Mm. I mean, I, I I feel so I feel much so so much compassion for that version of myself mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how did this happen? Where I got such a confused version of of what deserving means. Yeah, that was that was a big one. Yes. So I'm happy to say that now I think I have a healthier sense of self. I have a healthier sense of God loved me, made me, created me, nurtures, and I can embrace that. And yes. there's a fruit of freedom and confidence, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I want to just go back and point out here. I think that you knew in your head doctrines and things about oh. how God loved you and about God's grace. But what you're talking about when you didn't have that confidence in God's love for you, and you didn't feel this sense of deserving, you're not talking about that you you didn't know the truth about God's love and grace. Absolutely. Absolutely. I came up through very Bible-centered, uh, solid churches. I had memorized the scriptures. I knew Psalm 139, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made. And yet there was somehow a disconnect or, or a double message. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but yes, I knew the truth. I believed the truth. Mm-hmm. And yet I found myself not unable to say, I deserve love. Now, there might be some people who would be listening who would say, well, actually, you know, scripture says we, we don't really deserve anything. We're, we're sinners and um, the heart is wicked and deceitful. And so it wouldn't be arrogant to think that we deserved God's love. Did you have to yeah. struggle through that one? Oh, yeah, of course. That's exactly where I was stuck. That's why I couldn't say I deserve. Well, I've been told I, I don't deserve, you know, the worm, sort of the worm mm-hmm. theology or mm-hmm. um, how could grace be grace or mercy be mercy mm-hmm. if I was undeserving. But um, I think one of the points I was trying to make in the book is there's a version of that that is too low a view of myself. And I just, it wasn't healthy for me. You know, I very often go back to the great commandment, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm -hmm. And as important, it says, is love your neighbor as yourself. And so I am drawn back to that scripture to find my place. I'm loving God 
and I'm loving others as I love myself. So for me, I had to figure out what that meant for real. Right. And, <laughs> and that starts with what also we read in First John, we love because he first loved us. We have to receive his love. Yes. We have to believe that it is for us. And I think that that message, that wrong thought that we don't deserve it actually keeps us from receiving his love and then keeps us from being able to love. I agree. And I think ever since then, and again, my entire life has been one big, um, I think, embrace as far as I can understand at each season, um, God's love for me. Mm-hmm. And I think especially after that, I, I, God's love is so expansive. I can't, obviously cannot put my arms around it. And I, be, I thought that before, but now I, there's a different level of believing and receiving. And I think even um, expecting probably isn't the right word because there's a lot of connotations, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't, you, know, you know what I'm, t- I'm getting at? There's an, a holy expectation of God's care that's opened up for me. Yes. So in your book, Hold That Thought, you write about some different voices that got in the way, some different voices that were in your head that were getting in the way of your embracing God's life for you and love for you. You want to name those voices for us? Yeah. So um, these are not all the voices that exist, but I just chose seven to sort of circle around. And so the names that I gave them are the stressed achiever, the positive thinker, the inner critic, the anxious controller, the complaining victim, the passive spectator, and the unsettled heart. And I think these are a fair representation of the kinds of thoughts. And I use thoughts and voices synonymously in the Mm -hmm. book. Yeah. The kinds of thoughts that we have. Really good. One of the things you also wrote about is how you've helped some other women through your own journey, you've, you've encountered these voices. You've had to work with the Lord to overcome them, not be controlled by them. But you also wrote about a woman you helped who was suffering from a flood of negative thoughts. And you provided with her with some helpful discernment questions. And I would love for you to share those with our listeners. So, yeah, of course, as a spiritual director um, and a soul care coach now, um, and I know, you know, the importance of a really good question. I mean, questions are what it's all about, right? Right. To to move us forward. And a couple of questions, I think in particular that I shared with her, and when she was uh, noticing her, these voices that were not helpful to her. Mm -hmm. um, One was, does this thought sound like a friend or an enemy? Yes. Very important discernment (laughs) question. Especially if you say it out loud, I love to encourage people to say things out loud so you can actually hear it and your brain can go, wait a minute. Cause oftentimes when I do that for myself, it will come out with a kind of tone that is very obvious. Yes. If it feels like judgment or shame or condemnation, mm-hmm. that's not the spirit. No. Right. And so it's a beautiful question to ask. Yeah. Um, and I think too, we can um, test a thought by asking what would it sound like if you spoke these thoughts to someone else? It's so good. So often we will speak to ourselves in ways we would never dream of speaking to somebody else, especially to someone we loved, but to anyone, because there's some sense into which 
we know it would be destructive, it would be hurtful. And yet the way that we speak to ourselves is without filter. Yeah. I think that's another reason to have a soul friend like we've been for each other. And I know we both have other women in our lives that we're graced to have and our husbands, mm-hmm. uh, someone that can just hear you process or yes. your spiritual director. Yes. Again, you know, what is the tone of it? Would you say this to someone else? Well, maybe that's not the best thing to be offering <laughs> to your right. own heart. Right. Yeah. Or even just to have that that place and that space where you can hear yourself say it out loud and then realize, wow, I didn't realize how that sounded, or I didn't even realize I thought that there were so many times when you and I would be on those walks and you were holding that space for me and drawing me out. And I would find myself saying things that light bulbs would go off. It was like, Oh, I didn't even realize that was there. I hadn't even been conscious that that was in me and bringing it out into the light. And then that just enabled me to let it go. Yeah. And the same, the same for me, you did that so many times. And that is just evidence of the importance of having someone who can listen without judgment. Yes. Cause it's so easy. I, I mean, I haven't spoken to a woman yet who says I don't struggle with the inner critic. Right. And mm-hmm. men too. It's just, mm-hmm. for some reason, the inner critic is just so ever present. You didn't do that right. You could have done that better. You know, it just kind of like this person with a whip <laughs> right. making, you know, perfection, perfection, perfection. Yes. And um, that voice gets me in trouble a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I end up saying things like, you know what? Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I see you. Um, I think I would rather move forward right now with a little bit more peace. And so I'm going to what I'm going to think right now is um, I'm doing the best I can right now, mm-hmm. or I'm doing the best I know how right now. And for today, that's going to be good enough, right? Just something simple like that to shift from sort of the taskmaster to some grace. Mm-hmm. Because You're I can't be perfect all the time. In that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of that internal critic voice, I think, I think a lot of it comes from the accuser. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. I think a lot of that is where it comes from. And so by our turning our attention to not agree and to agree with God's grace is powerful and important. Yeah. Yes. So you I'm... come up with some, some wording there that helps you to do that. Maybe even some new habits in your brain, some new neural pathways you form with some of those ways that you respond. Yeah, that's sort of the pattern that I did. I've brought up in the book of notice, discern, and respond. And I've I've made a lot of headway in my own life using that pattern because, and I even have, it's not a formula, but it is a pattern for myself. And it's similar to what I just said. I can, I can notice the voice or the thought. And even if it's helping me or not, I can at least thank it for its presence because I don't want to, again, I don't want to condemn myself. Right, right. Right. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, I'm going to go a different way. So I have this, I see you, I hear you, thank you. And I'm choosing this way now. So it's a little pivot that I make for Mm -hmm. myself. And I really feel like it has made new ways for me so that that can happen more naturally. And it happens quicker than it used to. So when you hear the voice or you have the negative thought, 
you notice it, you discern, is that from the Lord? Is that true? Is that good? Is that helpful? Right. And then you respond to it. That's exactly the pattern. And it's, it's all over the book, notice, discern and respond. I unpack it fully. And I think it works really well for the day to day, you know, thoughts, because we're all moving through our day, getting things done. And, but sometimes we do need to stop long enough, even a minute or two, just to kind of clear out here. Um, But it's also a process that you can just be patient with, right? If there's a deeper, if there's an issue that's tied to a past trauma or it's just a long-standing habit. Mm-hmm. Not every thought turns on a dime. No. And in fact, I would even say there's probably some that I can do that on my own to notice, yeah. discern, and respond. But there's some that I need to call out to a friend or a spiritual director, a prayer partner, and say, I need to confess this thought. I need to confess yeah. this voice. I need you to pray for me because I'm having trouble turning and responding. Exactly. And I, I feel like it almost has a hold on me or I'm not right. able to oh, um, yeah. get through. I've, I've noticed it and I've discerned it, but I can't respond in any other, any, any healthy, non-destructive way. Exactly. And I find oftentimes that when I share it and I receive empathy from somebody who really can understand what it's like to be under the affliction of that internal critic or of that negative voice, any one of your seven voices, as they give me empathy and they break through and show me God's love and grace, then I can respond and agree with that instead of the voice. Yeah. Yes. That process is beautiful. And, and I want to underline again, you can take your time and you can get the support that you need uh, to make your way. It's uh, we don't have to get stuck in the formula, but if you need to stay on discern longer, stay on discern longer, right? Get the help. Yeah. And keep practicing. So yes. it's beautiful. Yeah. Good. Well, one of the things I also really appreciated and that I wanted to bring out here is you make a point in the book that we're not just trying to improve ourselves for the sake of self. Like you're talking about your journey of growth and you could use the words journeys of, of self-improvement, but it's not, that's not the spirit of it. The spirit of it isn't this one of self-improvement. In fact, in the last chapter of the book, I wanted to read because I thought this was really important to say, finding and using your God-given voice is not about becoming brash and swinging your words and your will around like an unwielding sword. That's really important because a lot of self-help, even a lot of the writing from for women today about finding their voice is that. It very much is girl power and you go girl and you swing your voice around and use your words like a sword. And I really appreciated you naming that and saying, that's not what you're talking about. That's when you're saying finding your voice, that's not what you mean. And you don't mean to find your voice in order to, instead of being an internal critic, becoming an external critic or judge. But then you go on to say, it's about being sturdy enough to stand in the space when everyone else around you is standing in theirs and you don't have to bend, break, or acquiesce. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about that. That's great wording, Jim, that you yeah. articulated there in the last chapter of Hold yeah. That. Yeah. Well, thank you. I do love that section. I remember that part. Um, I had actually journaled that years before, and I felt it was appropriate for the ending of this book. It Mm -hmm. was something that poured out of me that I felt God gave me after all that hard work of 
you know, of finding myself. And, and so I do believe in that process. And I believe in this um, God-given true self nature of mine and that it is good to stand in it. So not wielding that, like I said, is really important. Mm -hmm. It's what we don't want to do is pendulum swing. I didn't have my voice. Well, now I've got one. And I, and I, and I'll be honest along my journey to finding my voice. I do remember wielding my voice to others once in a while to just test out my strength. And I, I cringe a little bit now. I didn't do it I don't think I did it with anyone I knew. I remember trying it out on like telemarketers and stuff. <laughs> but I, you know, there was a pendulum moment where you kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, and then you go, oh, that's not what I want to do. So, but the point is this God has formed us as a body. We are a community. And so, and going back to the great commandment, I love others as I love myself. Mm-hmm. It's both and. So I, I grow and I learn and I find a healthy sense of myself. And then whatever it is I'm receiving from God, which is God is always pouring, right? I have overflow. Psalm 23 says my cup overflows. Mm -hmm. So now we have an image of now I'm offering my extra. So there's a, there's a, a flow here. Now that's one thing I like to talk a lot uh, about with people is there's a process mm-hmm. and there's a flow. Sometimes we can get things compartmentalized. We do this, then we do this, then we do this. But I'm talking about we receive from God, He fills us up, we overflow, and that goes to others. Yes, right. And, and all that's of what ways. this journey of growth is about. It's yeah. about when you say it's not about just improving ourselves for the sake of self. It's for the right. sake of others. It's it's that flow. It's that filling. The Lord fills us as his vessel to overflow. Yes. And there's a, there is a section in there. I talk about the, um, the fruit of the spirit of self-control, right? We talk about how mostly we say, well, we can't control anybody and we can't control things. And that's true. We don't control other people. And yet one of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Mm-hmm. I get to choose to control myself. And one of the th- insights I had was that normally I thought um, self-control was about not doing the things I'm not supposed to do. But what if self-control was also the ability to choose the good? Yes. It's yes. not just not do the mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. So willing the good for another, isn't that Dallas Willard? Uh, his, that was his definition, his of, definition blessing. of love. Of, uh-huh. Yes. Willing the good of another. Yes. So if we're going to control anything, <laughs> the fruit of the spirit of self-control allows us to choose to speak words of love and blessing, to choose to practice turning our thoughts to helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I saw you use a lot of self-control along your journey to, it took self-control to make the appointments and keep the appointments with your therapist, with your spiritual director, with me, it, it took self-control because you had a busy life with three boys at home and a ministry and lots of demands on your time. And it took self-control to take this time for your own healing and your own growth. And so I'm so thankful that you did, because I see the way that you have been filled to overflowing by the Lord and the ways that others are being blessed through that. So thank you for that, Jim. And I would love it if you just now would do this for our listeners. Would you overflow in love 
by praying for them a prayer, maybe a prayer of blessing. I'll, I'll trust the Lord to lead you. Yeah. Well, let's pray together then. I'm thinking of all of you who are listening. And so, Father, we come together, and I just thank you first for Christy and for Bill and for Soul Shepherding. Um, what a beautiful ministry and what beautiful people. So may you bless them. And for all of us, Lord, um, may you continue what you're already doing. You are pouring out your love toward us. May we um, become even more open-handed, open-armed, willing vessels to be filled and then to overflow. And I pray for each one too, Lord, that they would continue to um, sink their roots deeper into you to find the healing that they need in all the ways, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, meet each person. And I love also to, um, to pray and close with this blessing. It's from 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And it says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jim. And will you please share with our listeners how they can best connect with you? And I know they can get hold that thought anywhere books are sold, but you also have your own vital ministry and how can they find and connect with you personally? Yeah. So we are, of course, Unhurried Living. So you can just go to unhurriedliving.com. And somewhere on that first screen, you'll see my happy face. You can click and learn more about all the offerings that I offer. Um, and you can make your way around and find others. And if you are into social media, I am on Instagram. So find me there. And I offer encouragement there uh, under my name, Jem Fadling. Yeah, I've enjoyed your Instagram too. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a joy to have a conversation with you and so appreciate just your faithfulness to all that God has given you. Thank you, Christy. Yes. I'm excited to tell you about something you're really going to want. Soul Shepherding has developed an Enneagram and Emotions Assessment. It's for you and it's free and you can take it right now by going to soulshepherding.org slash Enneagram. And there you will be able to answer the questions and get a report instantly that's going to be full of next steps and helps and further learning for you to grow in your likeness in Christ and bring greater glory to Him through your life. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram 